Hello, and welcome to the e-commerce source podcast. My name is Andy Solhoff. I'm here in the studio with Rachel Thompson. Rachel, what's up? How's it going? It's good. It's good. We also have on the line, we got our, our Google ads, Amazon ads, everything ads guy, Ted Loesch. Ted, what's up? What's up? Well, uh, you know, today we got a really cool and fun topic. You know, we when we're getting ready to launch ads for our clients, we got our, all of our checklists. We got a number of things that we want to make sure that we've got in place. And, uh, you know, we got two people, great people here to, to talk about this. Rachel, I know you do, you've do. you done setup for new products, updates, old products that are already on Amazon. Ted, you're the, the Amazon ads guy looking at everything and making sure everything's going to work. So why do, what do you say we talk through our Amazon ads pre-launch checklist? What do you guys say? Sounds good. I love it. Let's do it. All right. Well, first and foremost, we'll start off with a decked out product listing. That's the number one thing that we're saying you need to have before you launch Amazon ads. Rachel, talk us through when, when I say decked out Amazon listing, what's that mean to you and, and what do we need to do? Um, so to me, it starts out with the back end of the listing, making sure that you have all of your keywords in there, your subject matter, you know, everything that kind of helps a person find your listing that you know, your ads are going to run off of your auto campaign will kind of pull some of those keywords from that listing. So making sure that you have as many opportunities to be seen by customers as possible, even on the side of the listing that customers don't see. Okay. And then onto the detail page. Okay. You want good photos. Gotcha. Uh, you can pretty much assume that probably 50% of your customers aren't going to read your copy. So making sure that your photos clearly show the products, how it's used, or whatever it's good for. Um, and then we're a fan of videos. So if you've got videos, we love videos. Otherwise, making sure that all seven image slots are Seven filled. images is the number. Seven is the number? All seven. I should be able to tell you what the dimensions of those are, but I default to 15 by 15, and I know that's slightly larger 1500 than 1,500 by 1,500? Yeah. Yep. Right I know on. that's slightly larger than what Amazon asks for, so make sure you got that. Square. Square. Clear Sorry. background. Well, not clear background. White white background. White background for the main photo. Any other photos can be whatever you want as long as they are relevant. Please don't put up. And as high definition as possible, yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. From there, making sure that your title is both descriptive of your products um, but also has key features. You can always tell when a listing, somebody just like ran through Helium 10 and picked out whatever keywords were associated with their product and just did not care to make them relevant or like yeah. so, fit so like a product title. So they basically they just took keyword search and terms and just that was became their title. In there. Yep. So that's a no-go. That's a hard pass for us. We're against it. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Both because it looks bad and also I just don't think that like it's I personally I personally wouldn't click on that listing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. From there, your key features, another good spot to really load up with keywords as long as, you know, they're still relevant. And, and key features are not the bullet points. You're talking. Are, okay. Bullet yep, points. Those gotcha. are your bullet points. Gotcha. Key features is Amazon's term for them. Okay, cool. Yeah, load up your bullet points with keywords. Make sure that they're relevant to your products, descriptive. You know, there is still 50% of your traffic that is going to read those. 
you know, make sure that you've got, you know, if you need to have a CPSIA warning on there. Wait, what? Consumer products. Safety something rather. It's yeah. a consumer product warning. Okay. Yeah. And that has to be in your bullet points or that's. Um, I think Amazon now will put it on there for you if need be, but you know, a client of ours, their product has lead in it. So we made sure that lead is mentioned mm-hmm. in the key features. Got it. You Got don't want to get any sort of claims back of, well, this has this and you didn't tell me. I couldn't find it on the listing, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, and then description, okay. making sure that you've got a good description. Uh, I think one of our tools says that a thousand characters is like the max where is the uh, minimum where your description starts being good okay gotcha gotcha thousand characters got it yep so good description uh it sounds like a lot but if you really start actually getting into what your product's made of what it's good for what it is all that jazz anything special about it you mm-hmm. can actually fill that up pretty quickly mm-hmm. if you don't want to do a description you can do a plus content Okay. A plus content is one of those where any keywords that are still in your description will still be picked up by Amazon, but customers won't see your description usually. Okay. They'll just see the pretty pictures at the bottom of the page. Okay. That are another good way of showing what it is, how it used. Yep. Yeah. So taking a pause there on the A plus content. Good point to mention. You have to have brand registry before you can have A-plus content. And brand registry, what what all goes into that? So brand registry, you're going to have to have a trademark set up. Okay. You can either do that through your own trademark lawyer or Amazon has what they call the IP accelerator, which is a list of lawyers that have been vetted and approved by Amazon for trademarking. And those... Lawyers will help you get set up in like, I think three months is kind of the average. So that's the start to getting your. From your... conception to trademark in hand. Well, brand registry. Brand registry. You, in won't, hand. Have, okay. you, you won't, won't have your trademark in hand. That'll take a minute to kind of yes. work its way that through. That will go through the normal USPTO process. Okay. Cool. Right. But Amazon will give you your brand registry. You'll have that access early. So, in your opinion, so, well, just a couple points here. So if you have a trademark already, you just submit that trademark number to Amazon. They validate with the attorney that filed the trademark that you have approval to use it. So then you get trademark registry right away. That process should take like a week maybe. Yeah, I think we were Less. just doing this and it said two to 10 days. It should have a an um, um, email out to the attorney that filed the uh, trademark to confirm that you're authorized to use a trademark and you just put that code into Amazon. In your opinion, Rachel, is brand registry, that's that's on the required checklist before we launch ads? I would say yes. I think there are very few instances where you could start selling, period, without brand registry, unless you're like a distributor kind of scenario, third mm-hmm. party. Um, but if you're selling your own products, personally, I don't know why you would sell on Amazon without brand registry, yes. unless it was like a cost item. Yes, yes. Um, is it still required to, do you have to have brand registry to have a video on your listing or is that an old a thing of the past? I think you have to have brand registry to do even that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we yep. should have talked about this a while yeah. ago. Yep. Yep. Cool. And several other things as well. Yes. Um, brand registry opens up an enormous amount of different advertising avenues for you, including sponsored brands and sponsored display, which will cover 
in a moment. Yes. I'm sure. Yes. Yes. So Ted, let's, let's talk about from your perspective. You're the, you're the ads guy. You're looking to run ads. Like what are, whether it's photos or, or descriptions or whatever, if you're looking at the, the product listing, what are some things that you're making sure are, are quote unquote decked out before we, we launch ads? So one of the biggest things is going to be looking at your competitors and seeing which keywords are included in their uh, product titles, their product descriptions. Um, what do their listings look like? Uh, so if we're not the first person to be selling a product like this, we've got to look at our competitors and see what they're doing. Um, and particularly uh, looking at, is it lifestyle photos? What do the videos look like? Um, which keywords are in their titles, which keywords are in their descriptions. Um, do they have a plus content and yeah, just so many different factors that you can look at, uh, to, to make sure that your products are decked out. We got to make sure that we're doing better than our competitors, right? That's always the idea. Yeah. We have to make our listings look better than our competitors. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying is, you know, we got seven photos and a video and an ever and titles and bullet points and description. And you're going up against, you're saying stand up the number one seller for some of these. And if we're not the same or better than them across the board, you know, we should, we should at least consider, you know, going to up our game before we launch ads. Is that fair? Absolutely. And sometimes they might have 10,000 reviews. Uh, Mm -hmm. We don't have any reviews yet. Yeah. So in order to make our product look more appealing, we have to go the extra mile. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, th- I think that that makes perfect sense. And I think in in my head, I, I think about it in two ways. I think about our product page on Amazon and what our product listing looks like. But I also think about a search results page and how does our title and how does our photo, if it's because you're in the, that search result, you're looking at it like, here's ours, here's our competitor. Somebody's making a decision right then and there. So if the photos aren't, you know, like you mentioned high res or, you know, if they're blurry or, you know, just don't look quite as nice, you know, that's a great opportunity for us to either gain, uh, you know, gain some momentum and get some traction or, or lose it because they're, they're choosing our competitors. So let's just kind of round up here. So we talked photos, lifestyle photos, any thoughts or guidance on that, Rachel, like in terms of what we would give for people as for lifestyle photos? Um, obviously it goes category to category, kind of depends on what your product is, but anything that shows it in use, Mm -hmm. uh, those photos I see generally tend to be shown up higher because we know Amazon will reorder photos based off of. Oh, really? Yes. So you can upload photos into the back end of Amazon in any order and Amazon will reorder those for you based off of how they see them performing with customers. So, you know, if customers are consistently getting to the photo that you clicked or that you placed fifth, yeah. they're going to move that up to second. Yeah. Yep. That's interesting. Do we Have we ever gone back and been like, hey, they love this one for whatever reason. Should we do more photos like that? Is that I mean, this is, we're going Not beyond the- Not often enough. Yeah. Yeah. Going beyond the scope of this, this podcast. All right. Cool. Um, so we've got the decked out product listing. Ted, you mentioned reviews. I know, Rachel, you've done a lot with reviews in the past. What are the things related to reviews that we say we should get going on as soon as possible? Um, before we get ads going, usually we like to get to double-digit reviews. Obviously, we know that getting people to review is hard. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that Amazon doesn't like when you incentivize reviews. So, you know, getting your friends and family to, you know, purchase, yep. you know, uh, advertising to your existing audience through like an email blast. Hey, find us on Amazon. Yep. And leave us a review, something like that uh, is a really good way to help get reviews. We're also a big fan of just little business card size notes that we add into um, shipments to Amazon, each yep. individual product that do not directly ask people to give us a five-star review, but just ask them to give us a review. Leave us a review. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, here's our email address. Yeah. And no other information. Yep. We are, we're, we're good people. We play by the rules. Yeah. A, a couple of key points there, obviously being, it is against Amazon terms of service and we'll get you banned if they catch you requesting a five-star review uh, or incentivizing a five-star review for free product or whatever mm-hmm. happens more than we would like it to. Uh, but there were several massive, massive brands that got, you know, just blacklisted from Amazon over the last uh you know, a couple years because they were doing uh, review practices that violated Amazon terms. Um, but uh, I think one of the things that I always love is I love to see our clients or us as we're putting together those little review insert cards be as creative and on brand as we possibly can. You know, uh, we have a, a client that sells uh, dog treats and, you know, having those that really speak to the brand that resonates with the customer. You don't want it to be sterile. You want to be fun and in your voice and all those types of things. And I think sometimes some people can get too caught up in like, leave us a review. And if you have problems, email us. But how would you say that in your own brand voice, I think is, is really important and has helped, helped us get a ton of reviews, uh, from, from our perspective. It's also worth noting that a business card has two sides. So you can make one side fun we do FAQs a lot and then the other side can be your solicitation. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Ted, any other thoughts on, on reviews from, from the ad guy perspective, ad buyer perspective? Reviews are incredibly important uh, to advertising. So we've got to get some reviews before we can expect our advertising to take off the way that we want it to. Um, mm-hmm. People need to have tested out the product spoke highly of it or at least given an opinion a lot of times i think that some of the questions um that come in from some of the people who have bought the product they ask really valuable questions how can this be used um is this pet safe is this kid safe um like is can i eat it Mm -hmm. (laughs) right like (laughs) these are very important questions Uh, (laughs) And uh, people ask these questions and that's really valuable information as you're going through a customer journey. We all buy products on Amazon. And if you go to that product page and you have a question and you look and you see that that question has been answered and then you're comfortable purchasing it. Um, So yeah, really getting that flywheel going. Um, It's, it helps your advertising. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I know we've said double digit reviews and that's may sound like a lot for people, but I think it's essential. I just, I mean, it really is. If we had our way, we would never start advertising a product unless you had 10 reviews, Mm -hmm. but we do it 
totally and, agree. And if you have a good product and you do your product inserts and things like that, uh, something else on this, there's a couple, couple good nuggets in here that I want to come out to, but, uh, the other thing on reviews, uh, and I don't know, Rachel, if you set this up, but is some sort of automated, uh, review request system software, whatever. Have you worked with those? Yeah. So we are big fans of feedback genius from seller labs. So we set that up on pretty much all of our client accounts. Uh, they have a default template that basically says, thank you for your purchase. Please leave us a review and no, nothing else. Yep. So we set that up on all of our accounts and we found that the default template actually does better than anything that we would personalize it with. Um, But by using those apps, we're able to get away from Amazon's request a review button, which you can only use a certain number of times and you can get in trouble if you overuse it. Um, But it also, like we automate it, every customer gets it it's much easier to get that through to somebody's inbox or at least like their promotions box. If yeah. You're a Gmail person. Yep. Um, it at least keeps you out of like the spam folder. Yeah. So essentially what we're doing is we're hooking up feedback genius through seller labs to automate an email just instead of having Amazon's normal, some of their normal stuff come through feedback genius will send an email message to the customer that purchased our product and say, Hey, would you mind giving us a review right mm-hmm. yeah and because it's connected like as an app through your seller account they receive that in a reasonable time they're not receiving that email right at the get the yeah. product it's usually like a few days after yeah yeah so i mean it's like you know amazon knows when to send emails to get reviews so that that, pro- that combination and and the the seller labs template that i'm sure that they're testing on tens of thousands of emails a day like yeah, no brainer. Definitely helped help us get us some reviews. So I did want to touch on that. Uh, the other thing, Rachel, that you talked about was just just FBA. I mean, we gotta have FBA set up, yeah. In a perfect world, nobody would do FBM. Yeah. Uh, FBA financially, your shipping rates end up being better. Um, Amazon is kinder to FBA sellers as far as you know your buy box is not going to say that the product will arrive in two weeks Mm -hmm. it's going to arrive in three days and that helps so much with conversion rates we've seen on several accounts that the minute a product goes FBM that conversion rate tanks yeah yep and just to check in on the FBA real quick fulfillment by Amazon you ship your product to Amazon then Amazon fulfills the order you get the prime two day prime. You have to, you know, you have to pay for Amazon to ship your order, but it's generally less, sometimes significantly less than what the the rate that you can buy. There's a client that I'm working on right now that she's been sending in her inventory in such small batches that it's literally costing her nothing to send inventory to Amazon. Her shipping costs for the last four orders have been zero. What? How yeah. is that even possible? I don't know. I'm not questioning it. I just yeah. keep hitting accept. Yeah, we accept the shipping, right? Yes. And we just yes. keep going. Yep. That's awesome. Ted, what were you going to say? Sorry, man, I cut you off. Oh, I think that was just uh, another school of thought there is your inventory levels is just huge, right? Um, making sure that your IPI is where it needs to be. Um, 
that really affects advertising. I think that that affects your organic listings. Uh, so I know that we're not trying to talk about inventory necessarily on this podcast. But. Well, I mean, it's it's. I mean, as far as far as I'm concerned, having a product at Amazon FBA is part of the checklist. I mean, I I just yeah. don't. It doesn't make sense for us to, you know, we we've tried this in the past where like clients have had a part of their product catalog. Well, we're gonna go FBA with these, and we're gonna try FBM with those, and it was like. Well, duh, the FBA products uh, sold way better. And then we shipped the FBM products to Amazon. And then all of a sudden they started selling a lot better. It's like, you know, that's absolutely part of it. I think you're... The customer expectation is two-day shipping. Oh, yeah. It's um, also the and the only way like... that you're going to get that is if you have inventory at Amazon. Right. Um, so I think that that's, you know, it's paramount to anyone who's uh, getting ready to launch ads on Amazon. I would say, sure. Um, if you're fulfilling by yourself, you're doing FBM, then we can get some ads going, but we generally wouldn't recommend getting a lot of ads running until that inventory is at Amazon and you have two-day shipping. Yeah. And then it's a reasonable amount of inventory. It's kind of the worst to send in like five units below through those and then be stuck at either FBM or out of stock. That really hurts You know, your IPI score. It hurts your organic rating. So when you say like first initial shipment to Amazon is twenty units, fifty units, hundred units, what do you what do you what's our recommendation recommendation generally? I mean, it goes client to client, uh, category to category. I mean, if you're adding you know a new color to a variation that already sells well, I mean, maybe half of what your best selling variation is doing. But if it's a brand new product mm-hmm. in your never uh, sold it catalog, on Amazon, yeah, maybe. 15 10 15 yeah a case probably makes sense yeah whatever a case is for you is probably a good place to start i wouldn't go any lower than 10 though personally yeah uh that's when you start getting that uh red error sign in the buy box only 10 left order now and yes we don't we can't have that right out of the gate somehow it's supposed to drive scarcity but somehow it makes things worse conversion rates worse interesting probably a number of things at play there they amazon's throttling your listing they're not going to send you as much organic traffic if you've got less than 10 units or 10 units or whatever yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense uh you guys have both mentioned ipi what 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 is ipi your inventory performance index okay it is basically how well you keep inventory in stock how well you go through inventory so your turnover rate um, if you have any stranded inventory or any like inventory issues, such as, you know, if you're consistently sending in inventory that is arriving damaged kind of mm-hmm. thing. And then. Um, yeah. So, I mean, at the, uh, out of the gates, IPI, probably not, not something that we're too terribly worried about. Um, Initially, during Q4, um, <laughs> yes, Q4, Q4 is a different, different beast. It's yeah. very important. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, it depends on who you are as a seller because it affects your inventory amount that you get. You know, your individual units that you're allowed to send mm-hmm. to Amazon. So, if you have, you know, a high sell through rate, high IPI, you're more likely to get more storage space, and mm-hmm. nobody likes dealing with not having the storage space they need, especially. At a time like Q4. Yeah. Yep. So like you're saying, Rachel, probably starting with that, you know, a case or so of product, not too much, you know, enough that you can, you're proving to Amazon that you can sell it. 
but not too much that you're going to hurt your, uh, your IPI. So I would say that one of the most important things about IPI is sell through rate. Yeah. So you, the more you're selling through your products, the more inventory you have. So you want to get that going early, especially if we're talking about Christmas items or seasonal items, maybe like lip balm or Christmas tree skirts is you want to get that uh, sell through rate as high as you can early on so that Amazon is going to look at those numbers and they're going to say, okay, we're selling through and they will raise your inventory cap so that you can send more products in for FBA uh, and getting that going early, uh, especially in Q4 is really important. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So going through the checklist here, we got, we've got our decked out product listing. We're talking about brand registry, a plus content and videos on our listings required. We've got reviews. We've got a reviews program. We've got our product insert. We've got our automated email follow-up set up through a, you know, feedback genius or helium 10 or whatever. Uh, we've got am- uh, inventory at Amazon our FBA inventory is there. And the process is set up so that if you do so through your inventory at Amazon, you can send in more. Yeah, I, th- I think this is some of the back office stuff that, you know, if you're relatively new to the Amazon side of things, what are those those roles? I mean, we've got we've got somebody shipping in inventory. Ted, you talked about questions earlier or, or reviews. I mean, we've got messages from our clients. What, what are the things that you know, I don't know if it's people or roles or whatever that we typically see our clients have to make sure that the administrative side of, of Amazon works well. Can you, Rachel, can you talk a little bit about the kind of the back office stuff that goes into it? Yeah. So, I mean, you'll need somebody who either watches your inventory levels, kind of keeps an eye on that, what your weekly sales rate looks like, um, or that's something that we at 50 Pound Post and offer. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you need to keep an eye on what's available. Uh, you also need to keep an eye on inventory that has been sent to Amazon or is at Amazon and is not available. Um, just sending the inventory isn't always enough because we know inventory gets moved about between fulfillment centers and, you know, sometimes things happen. Inventory gets stranded, boxes get dropped, and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you don't have the inventory that you need. So I think you're, you're touching on a couple of things, right? Like you actually need somebody wherever your product is, and it could be, you could have a, a 3PL, you know, third-party fulfillment, you know, storage center or whatever that you could ship from that warehouse. You could just t- pay somebody to handle that. They could ship it to Amazon. But I think the other side of this that you're kind of uh, alluding to is somebody that's paying attention to what happens after you ship it. Because your 3PL or somebody in a warehouse may not be paying attention to the back end of Amazon to be like, hey, we sent a case of this or two cases or whatever. Did it ever get checked in so that we could sell it? Or did Amazon just lose it? So I think that's two, you know, two people. Um, and I think for the most part, do we we handle this on the majority of the clients that I'm paying attention to, right? Is Because uh, some of our clients will ship product and not yes. necessarily follow up to make sure it got there, which, you know, it people are busy, right? So it is what it is, but... Yes. Uh, so we've got the inventory manager. You got the kind of the back end Amazon sort of person who's paying attention to the shipment. What else needs to go into all that? Um, you need to be ready for questions, comments, concerns, whether that comes in through Amazon. Uh, Amazon really, really, really likes you to respond to any messages within 24 hours. So somebody that 
is on that able to respond has the knowledge to respond um we every there are a few clients that i'm on that we are signed up for notifications that if somebody asks a question on the listing which Mm -hmm. is different than asking you a question through a message Mm -hmm. um that comes right to the email and it's really hard i'll jump in and answer those as i can but i don't always have the product knowledge to do that yeah. So I th- making sure that those go to the right person. Yeah. I think that's a really big thing that we've, you know, we always counsel on as we're getting clients set up. It's an easy thing to lose track of because it goes to maybe the owner account and the owner account is a, as a listserv email. And then people may not think that they need to respond to it. It kind of, it's one of those things where if nobody's responsible or if everybody's responsible, nobody's responsible. So sort of tasking somebody to be like, Hey, and, and I think you make a great point, Rachel, is that this is a person who has to likely have intimate product knowledge. You got to know the product inside and out because you might be getting product questions. Um, but I'm trying to think of other things that go on to it. But it's usually somebody on the client side for us, at least, because we just don't. I mean, we I mean, I know your products well, but not as well as some of these questions. that are being. Asked. Yes, for yes. sure. That was a perfect way to say it is someone that has intimate product knowledge. Um, that can answer these questions very directly because that is over the course of time what a lot of people are looking for um is this product going to make my hair fall out yes (laughs) you know like all these guys worried about his hair yeah uh all of all of these different specific questions of you know is is this specific product uh like healthy for my condition yes um and obviously we're talking health and beauty yeah um but that i think is where we get a lot of the questions is in the health and beauty space i'm thinking of one client that i get emails daily of does this item fit the sewing machine oh daily daily yeah and there there are some wild questions that come through in there that are yeah but you go like if you have a product catalog I mean, you know, if, if you're a you know wholesaler, distributor, or whatever, and you or if you have a thousand SKUs or ten thousand SKUs that you're trying to sell on Amazon, what's the likelihood that one of them might get a question on the product page, or you might, you as a seller might get get a question? And I think Ted, you highlighted a really good point there: is that the uh, product que- the questions that you get about a product, if you as the seller can come in there with an authoritative, helpful answer that kind of maybe guides people in the right direction. That's huge. You know, I think we've, we've seen one of our clients like, Oh, you know, they provide such a thorough and great answer that you don't even have to worry about other people answering it because other people can answer those questions as well. Right. Other people can answer those questions and other people can see them. So once you've answered a question and you've answered it nicely, it's, it lives there. there. Yep. So, it's nice mm-hmm. to like scroll through and see that answer from the seller. Yep. Like you said, that very authoritative voice that knows the answer. Yes. So that sort of back office. So we've talked about inventory. Uh, somebody says somebody that somebody's paying attention to inventory can make sure the inventory gets shipped. Somebody can follow up and make sure that the inventory arrives and there's no issues with that. Like you said, that's usually us, but uh, on the agency side of things, um, and then somebody who's paying attention to messages and questions. Is there any other back office, any other, you know, things that we would just kind of counsel on as we're getting somebody up and selling, Rachel, that, can, that you can think of? Um, just being ready to kind of catalog any negative feedback. It's okay. going to happen. and That's an important part of the product life cycle. So knowing that, you know, you're going to have to make product improvements at some point. Mm-hmm. Having that list to refer back to is nice. Yeah. 
Yep. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm feeling pretty good. This I think this covers our checklist. And we got the decked out listing, brand registry, reviews, FBA, and we've got the back office ready to ship inventory, respond to questions, and then provide the customer service. I think that's a pretty solid, pretty solid checklist there. But wait, there's more. And Ted, I'm really glad to have you on this call. You know, let's let's just talk about this. So let's real we don't have to go into the super weeds level of it, but let's let's start talking a little bit about give the people a sense of now we got the decked out listings. Let's talk about ads. What uh what's what's the initial checklist of of ads? You know, going over the campaign formats and what are the things that you're thinking of as you get get uh get this decked out list, listing that we've all got uh, ready to go. Yeah, let's talk about that. So we've got everything looking great. We've got our photos, we've got our videos, everything's teed up. So now what keywords are we going to target? Um, so we've got three different campaign types. We've got sponsored products, sponsored brands, and sponsored display. Those can all be used in a variety of different ways. Um, firstly, uh, I always recommend getting all of your products into an auto campaign. Um, that's Whoa. just gonna... auto campaign, Ted. Isn't that cheating? Auto Are you taking Whoa. the easy way out with that? That's a <laughs> digital marketing easy button, right? What's what's the deal with that? Get them all in there um, <laughs> because Amazon's algorithm is then going to work on your behalf and it's going to start making sense of which products um and which keywords you should be targeting because amazon wants you to keep spending money they want your advertising to work and an auto campaign is one of the really great ways to get that started um just let amazon make sense of it do it at low bids uh you don't want to come out of the gates really aggressively necessarily um as far as getting like letting their algorithm just run wildly and try to make sense of things um, but then on the other side of things, we have keyword targeting for sponsored products and sponsored brands. And that is where the research comes in that we do prior, right? We've already done product research uh, to look at our titles and our descriptions. And then we want to make sure that those titles and descriptions match the keywords that we're targeting with our advertising. Um, and we can look at some of our competitors and kind of see what works there. And then on the sponsored brand side of things, uh, we want to protect our brand. Mm -hmm. So branded keywords, that's huge. Um, if you just started selling on Amazon, you got to protect your brand, uh, because someone else is probably already bidding on it. That's what we do. Uh, in our at our agency <laughs> is if no one's bidding on their own brand, we'll bid on it. Yeah. Uh, and and we'll show our product instead. Yeah. Um. So if you're not doing that, we're doing that. Yeah. Um. Uh, or competitors. If, I mean, yeah. It's got to protect <laughs> a brand. Yep. Trade spilling trade secrets here, Ted. On this. On this. Uh, oh, am I? Here. Yeah. Am I giving it's away? Okay too much here <laughs> it's not really that big of a trade secret <laughs> but uh it, it, i mean it's, it's definitely a point worth noting right is like you know you got to protect the brand and uh when we were doing the pre-show on this i was like well duh yeah of course like uh, you know if you don't have any volume for your search terms who cares right like uh, there's one of our clients that were just onboarding you know you can't find their product just by searching for their brand name well if you have a sponsored products 
uh, branded search campaign. So every time you search for, you know, client name alone, you'll you'll show up there, and it'll make you more authoritative. Even if it's a sponsored place, most people don't realize that. Um, and then if you have, and I'm stealing your thunder here, Ted, but if you've got the sponsored brand listing, which is like mega billboard space, uh, and you're and you're you've got that one up there, it looks even more professional because not only do you have a, a product in the product feed but you've got this big banner with your logo and you've got your products and stuff like that so yeah it big big pro tip there um yeah it it just builds confidence that you know and amazon will also off of amazon it will bid on those placements for you on google ads on microsoft advertising so if you're spending enough on your branded keywords, they will bid on those placements on your behalf. And then you're getting free advertising. Um, not necessarily free, um, <laughs> but they're bidding, they're bidding on it on your behalf, which is fantastic, right? Like everybody wants to see um, if they type in a certain brand name into Google that, oh, wow, they're, they're available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And that's... Uh, that builds a lot of confidence and then you can go there and get that two day shipping like we already talked about. So like you've got that FBA and uh, they go to that listing and your conversion rates are just going to increase over and over again. So then uh, not to ramble too long about it, but sponsored display is a very interesting new tool uh, that has been opened up uh, within just the last couple of years to all sellers and there's a variety of different ways of using that. Uh, so there's tools like Helium 10, where we can do a search and we can say, we can search anything we want and we can pull all of our competitors and then we can target their listings, uh, which is hugely important. Uh, again, as we talk about brands, um, protecting our brand, we can target our own listings to mm-hmm. make sure that our competitors uh, are not sitting on those listings. So uh, I guess to, to conclude all of that, um, when you first start advertising on Amazon, it's best to have a sufficient budget that you can have all of these things happening at once. Yeah, um, You want to have your sponsored products your sponsored brand and your sponsored display all working at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on how many products you have in your catalog, it's it, the budget kind of cranks up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just making sure that, you know, we were kind of talking uh, roundabouts of, of, you know, what does it cost to, to actually have any advertising running at all. And that's to Rachel's point. That's a question of the category. Um, Product That's catalog. a question. Yup. Uh, how many competitors are in the space? So you can't answer that question easily. Um, the only way that you can answer that question is to start advertising. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I love it. I love it. Um, just kind of summarizing here. Like, is this kind of because I got I got the notes in front of me, right? Is you know we've got our we've got our auto campaign. We're talking about all products to start off with. We also can do different product groups, right? You know, if you've got water bottles and you've got insulated versus your your plastic or whatever, you might have different groups and you might get those into some different cam- some auto campaigns. We've talked about uh, branded, you know, protecting the brand. So that includes sponsored products, 
branded searches, search campaigns. So targeting uh, branded searches with your sponsored products, sp- targeting uh, branded searches with sponsored display. So basically you're advertising against your own products to make sure that somebody else doesn't show up there and then sponsored brand uh, based on uh, branded searches as well. And then the non-brand side of thing of, of those those campaigns as well, right? So any any search-based campaign, you know, we want to take those those keywords like Ted mentioned, and we want to get those into, uh, you know, into a non-brand camp into a non-brand campaign promoting our products as well. So, you know, I think we could we could go on deep onto that, but you know, initially out out of the gate, we've you know, hope this has been uh, helpful for everybody. You know, we, we're giving you the checklist. Go through the, that, that checklist and making sure you're decked out listing, looking at your competitors, making sure that you've got brand registry, you've got your trademark submitted. Make sure you've got 10 reviews for every product that you're advertising. Uh, FBA inventory is there. You got the back office ready for customer service and inventory set up. And then just get started with advertising. Start with some low bids and, you know, start working some things up. Protect the brand. Start with some autos. And let's, let's make it happen. So I think this has been great. Uh, Ted, thanks for joining us. Joining us, Rachel. Appreciate the insights as always. Hope it's been helpful for everybody. And uh, hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day.